We read today from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, reading from the Common English Bible Translation. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. Jesus went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. Jesus healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he did not let the demons speak because they recognized him. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they told him, everyone is looking for you. He replied, let's head in the other direction, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there, too. That's why I've come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, reveal your word to us this day that we might have life in your name. Amen. Simon didn't waste any time before telling Jesus that his mother-in-law was unwell. Her fever made it hard to get out of bed that day. In the context of the first century, a fever was interpreted less as a symptom of illness and more as a diagnosis unto itself. And given her age, we can understand the reason for Simon's concern and the feeling of helplessness that often accompanies even our best attempts to care for one another. Though eager to do more or anything that might make a difference in the lives of those we love, sometimes, no matter how much we try, it feels like it's just not enough, like it's never enough. As readers, we cannot help but wonder what kind of person she was. What did she look like? What was her name? Surely Simon and the others must have said something. After all, the gospel writer tells us that they told Jesus about her. Could it mean that they told Jesus what she meant to each of them and to their family? If so, we can be sure that Jesus listened to their words about the many times when she had cared for them and what it felt like just to be in her company, about the wisdom that she knew and shared so freely and her willingness to give advice even if you didn't ask for her opinion, about the smell of her cooking and the fullness of her laughter, and how her face turned bright red when she cried. 
about the warmth of her smile that was bright as the moon and how she often hummed when she mended clothes. About the hugs that she gave and how she would put her hand on your face to show you that she was really paying attention. And how she would never admit to being beautiful, even though she was. We often hear Jesus' invitation to his disciples in an almost exotic and even generic sort of way, as if the adventure on which Jesus is sending those who follow him is one filled with faraway places and people whom we would have never met otherwise. And sure, for some of us, many of us perhaps, the calling is there for us to go and to embrace and to accept and to be changed. In fact, for Simon and Andrew, James and John, that calling too would come, but later. That's not how their journey with Jesus begins. Instead, it begins with a visit to their local synagogue, a gathering place with which they are surely familiar, followed by a visit to Simon and Andrew's house, a place to which they would often return together. It's not exactly a foreign mission voyage, not yet. And that's because the invitation of Jesus is always personal and particular. Our faith is necessarily lived and so expressed down in the weeds and in the soil and in the mess of our everyday lives. And that means that if we are to accept the invitation of Jesus, then we too must find a way to practice our faith, to work it out and to live it out in the reality of the communities in which we live. With all of its problems and its possibilities, its growing edges and opportunities, because following Jesus is never a license to ignore our daily responsibilities to the people around us. On the contrary, Jesus' invitation to his disciples is itself an invitation to deepening and to maturing our commitment to embodying healthy relationships and families and neighborhoods. So it is no surprise that Jesus' journey with his disciples begins at home amongst their dearest family and friends, in the place where they eat and rest and play, where their gifts are most visible and they're forced to confront their shortcomings, the place where what they truly love is on display and where their priorities shift in light of others' needs and timing, the place where they build a life with and among and for others and where there is no escaping who they are, the place where stories get told and retold of all of the many moments that we share and remember together. After Simon told Jesus about his mother-in-law, Jesus went to her bedside and he took her by the hand. Some English translations say that Jesus lifted her up and by doing so, they make it easy for us to miss out on the obvious double meaning. That is why the common English Bible translates the word as it is more likely intended, saying, Jesus raised her. And in response, the scripture says that Simon's mother-in-law served them. 
a word that also means to minister. And what does that mean exactly? It means that she expressed genuine care for them. And in this case, it probably also means that she prepared a meal. But a meal with Jesus is not just a meal. It is nothing less than a divine encounter. The language of resurrection that is used in these verses alludes both to the story of baptism as well as to the empty tomb. But then again, so does the language of service and ministry as the signs not only of redemption and remembrance and salvation. You see, there are only a few characters in Mark's gospel who are said to perform a ministry or service. Simon's unnamed mother-in-law in today's reading the angelic messengers in chapter 1 who care for Jesus in the wilderness, an unnamed woman in chapter 14 who anoints Jesus' body before his death, the small group of women in chapter 16, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, who visit the site of Jesus' burial and are the first to experience the resurrection, and then Jesus who articulates his own ministry and vocation to his disciples in chapter 10, saying this, whoever wants to be great among you must become as one who ministers. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life to set many people free. So what's the takeaway? Well, first, we learn that discipleship and the service of ministry are meant to go hand in hand. Second, we learn that apart from Jesus and some angels, all of the ministers in Mark's gospel are women, which itself denotes a matter of extraordinary importance that the church is a community where everyone leads. Simon's house becomes the site of divine healing, and Simon's mother-in-law becomes a model of discipleship that all of us, Simon included, is given to follow. Furthermore, this story teaches us that our daily expressions of service and ministry, however ordinary they might seem to us, are nothing less than loving gestures of divine presence and holy reminders of the example of Jesus, whose grace is with us by the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what makes someone a minister but the willingness of our trust to carry out one's own genuine service of ministry in the name of Jesus? That, to be sure, is an invitation to us all to use our gifts, however few, and to offer what we have, however small, as a tangible expression of what we ourselves have received in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The healing and ministry of Simon's mother-in-law is, of course, not the end of today's reading, but it is, in many ways, the heart of it. For that same day, after the sun went down, the entire city was gathered at the door of Simon's house, bringing with them all who were sick and all who were hurting and all who simply needed someone to listen to them. And the scriptures say that Jesus healed many who were sick and others who were just plain out of sorts. 
And as we have noted in recent months, the word being used here is the word from which we derive our English word therapy. Well into the night, members of the community gathered as guests at Simon's house to experience the therapeutic ministry of Jesus for themselves. And how else would they have known to come there unless someone had told them? In the Gospel of Mark, Simon's house is more than just a gathering place for Jesus and his disciples. It is also the prototype of what the community of Jesus in Mark's Gospel is going to resemble, a community of redemption, a site of the kingdom of God, comprised of diverse people whose lives are primarily bound and sustained by the Christ who welcomes each of them to gather at home together. The primary location of Jesus' ministry in Mark's gospel and the central gathering place for the community known as the church is in houses, where meals are shared and healing is both extended and received, where forgiveness is granted and those who follow Jesus learn from him, where many who suffer are restored, and where Jesus sends his disciples throughout the nearby towns and villages, and where strangers not only become friends, but are also welcome around the table. A house of friendship is where Jesus is anointed on the night before his death. A house of service is where Jesus breaks bread and says, this is my body. A house of prayer for all people is what Jesus says God's people are meant to be together. A house of memory is what the site of the empty tomb becomes, where new life emerges and the community is forged from the very place where we did not imagine that life could be. It's not a coincidence that Jesus enters the home of Simon and Andrew. And that's not because we take our faith home. It is because at home is where our faith lives. At home is where our relationships are meant to deepen and mature and to be healthy. At home is where God longs to meet us and to be with us in all of the moments in between. And at home is where the church is given the daily opportunity to participate in God's mission of reconciliation in and for the world. So it's worth asking, where in your home do you experience the presence of Christ? And where in your home do you pray to notice the divine? around the dinner table, in your garden, or in the middle of your bedtime routine with your children. Perhaps it is during your morning commute, or as you log in for another day of meetings or classes, or maybe these days it is you sitting at your desk, crunching numbers, wondering how you're supposed to cut back even more. Maybe it's your marriage. Or maybe it's your singleness. Or maybe you're concerned for your safety 
but you're just not sure of who to ask for help. Perhaps you experience God in the threshold of your doorway and you long again to welcome others in. Or in the tears that you cry suddenly sometimes as you mourn the sounds of an empty house that came too soon. Perhaps you're a caregiver and every day you try your best, but you're exhausted. Or you're lying in bed right now and what you want more than anything is to get up and do all of the things that you love like you used to. God created us in and with and for love. And that means that divine love is in and with and for you. And if our love for one another is a sign of Christ among us, then surely that love is meant to be visible in the togetherness of those with whom we live and share our lives. Jesus is present in our openness and availability to each other. The Holy Spirit is surrounding us amid our genuine expressions of faithfulness and support. A divine energy is at work whenever we offer the ministry and service of nurture and caring. And God is being revealed in the midst of all of our growing pains. As we wrestle and weep, as we struggle and sweat, as we, like Simon, leave everything behind, in order to lean into Jesus' invitation, only to find ourselves back at home again. Maybe at home is where we are meant to experience a glimpse of the genuine love that is the promise of God to us all. And when we do, we'll be glad that we let Jesus in. Amen.